Close our eyes, feet flat on, flat on the floor. Start always as we do. Welcome to Uncivilized Unplugged. Let's do a little meditation. Deep breath in. Drop down into your body. Start to relax. Let any stress or pressure of the day wash away. Find that quiet place of center. A place that's with you at all times. If that place is a room, see if you can open the door, walk in and sit down just for a moment. Let that sense of peace and calm wash over you. Feel the power that comes from this calm. The power that's inherent in stillness. Feel what being this still connects you to. It's outside of yourself or beyond yourself. Who it connects you to. how foreign this experience may be to you in your life of reaction of chaos of jobs and bills and kids and hopes and dreams. See if you can't sit in between that, in that space between breaths. where with every inhale and exhale, there's a rebirth, a new set of possibilities, a new set of perspectives. And how many times a day this is available to you and has been available to you will continue to be available to you. Try, if you may, to increase this sense of calm, to generate it, to swim in it, to dwell in it just for a moment and let it fully wash over you. Be with it. Become intimate with it, even if that word scares you. Let's take two or three more deep breaths together. 
Just return to the present moment. Return to wherever your butt's meeting the seat, your feet are meeting the floor, your clothes are meeting your skin. Or your eyelids, eyelids may be touching, your hands may be touching. Put yourself in those places for just a minute. And take a moment and wiggle your toes, wiggle your fingers. And roll your shoulders back a bit. And slowly at your pace, begin to blink your eyes and come back into the room. Beautiful, it's juicy. Again, welcome to Unplugged. My name is Trevor Bohm. I'm the host. This is the number one live podcast experience in the whole wide world. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I keep claiming it until someone tries to sue me. Earlier this week, I got an email from a woman who was in her early 70s, and she wanted to share with me that her husband of 25 years had just walked out, and he was now living with his girlfriend, his new girlfriend, and she was facing what is the most terrifying thing, I think, for most of us, which is that brand new, unasked for, wild, unknown space or wild space of completely unknown. And she said to me, the international line for, I've just gone through a big loss. Uh, two international lines. One, I can't believe this just happened to me. Two, I never thought this would be my life. And so many people wake up to that reality every single day be it a death in the family, be it a diagnosis, be it a, a divorce, a breakup, uh, a trauma of some kind. And so tonight we're going to be diving into how do you survive the unsurvivable? It's a great question. And it's one that faces all of us sometimes numerous times in our lives, but I have a, a sinking feeling it affects everybody. Yet it's one of those things that we don't talk about at dinner parties. We don't like clink cocktails and be like, so how do you deal with loss? How do you deal with the, the unthinkable? And yet it's such a part of the human experience that I really want to go over it tonight. And our guest tonight is, uh, is an expert on this subject and is going to be sharing his story and some, and some true techniques and perspectives that will help you no matter what it is that you're getting through. Um, one of the interesting things that happened when I wrote my book, Today I Rise, which is about how you use heartbreak, was how many emails and calls I got later from people saying, I didn't go through a heartbreak in the divorce sense or in the breakup sense, but this happened to me. I had a loss. Uh, I have a sick child. My husband died, et cetera. And thank you so much for even just speaking about it. And I had never planned to write a book on heartbreak, never planned to write a book on divorce, but I too woke up one day and went, oh, I can't believe this has happened to me. And oh shit, I can't believe this is my story now. So for those of you who don't know who I am, who especially who are listening at home, my name is Traver Bohm. I'm the founder of the Uncivilized Men's Movement, the Man Uncivilized Course, and the Uncivilized Nation. And my mission is to change the way one million men, one million, let's just call them revolutionary men, express their masculinity. By, by celebrating the, the traditional primal masculine and combining it with consciousness in the form of the divine. 
We are not trying to make men into medieval Vikings who are just running around the woods pillaging, nor are we uh, doing group circles of drumming naked and rubbing period blood on our faces and doing all kinds of other weird shit or whatever's floating around the internet these days. If you want more information on my movement, you can go to www.manuncivilized.com or find me on Instagram at TraverBohm, T-R-A-V-E-R-B-O-E-H-M. All right, let's dive into Unplugged. So the frame for those of you who are new is I wanted to create an experience where two people just have a chat as if we're sitting in our living room. It's not formal. It's not scripted. We don't pass questions back and forth that we know in advance. It's just, uh, as my good friend Shelly says, two girls talking. And so my guest tonight is a good friend of mine and someone that I've known for a couple of years and had the pleasure of knowing for a couple of years, Eric Hodgson. And Eric, I'm going to let you jump in. I hope that you're unmuted. There you go. And if you could, in just, just a sentence, I know you're going to be speaking more in depth in a minute, but tell us who you are, what you do, and one thing that most people don't know about you. Hmm. Well, Trevor, thank you so much for having me on. And one thing I'd like to say is that I'm glad that your movement doesn't include jazzercise as <laughs> one of those things that would be interesting. Although I could, you know, see you doing that anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, my name is Eric Hodgson. I'm Zoe's dad. Um, I'm also a, a speaker, an author, and a coach. And mm-hmm. uh, um, one thing that people really don't know about me is that uh, I just spent the last 25 years in an IT career. Mm. And I stepped away from that about a year ago. And uh, it's been one of the best decisions that I've made for my life and my soul, all of it. So. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Uh, and tell me in a, in a sentence, what is it you do now? So what I do now is I, uh, I lead people through struggle. Uh, if you're struggling, I will help you find the beauty in life again, wow. to get up and to move forward through it, not go around it, not avoid it, Yeah. but look at it in the face and say, hey, I'm here, you're here, meet it in the middle and, and deal with it. So it's, it's been a, a uh, one of those um, uh, shifts in my life. Obviously, IT is one way, right? But it's been another shift that's uh, it's just been uh, very uh, rewarding seeing other people who are navigating struggle and coming out to the side. So awesome! I have your book here in front of me. For those people who are interested, it's it's going to be linked. It's called A Sherpa Named Zoe, and it sounds like the word you just said you're guiding people through through struggle that you've become that Sherpa. Um, and so let me guess, this is just a natural progression for most people to go from IT to uh, guiding people through struggle. Right. Um, you know, I'm just going to throw that out there that this is, this is the common IT path. It is. It is. (laughs) (laughs) For so many people listening to this, uh, they are at that day or recently have had that day where they woke up into their own personal nightmare. Yeah. Uh, they think they're alone. They think they're the only one who will ever experience this kind of unique pain. Mm-hmm. Can you, if you're willing, would you mind sharing a little bit of your story about what took you from IT to what you're currently doing now, just so we have some context? Sure. Uh, so about five years ago, uh, my 15-year-old daughter Zoe was navigating a very mysterious world of, of adolescent psychiatric hospitals. Mm. Yeah. 
She had been in four different hospitals uh, over a period of about 12 months. And the good news was that she was able to step down to a group home where it gave her a little bit more freedom, a little bit more contact, a little bit more of herself so that she could then, uh, you know, come home fully. And, and while she was there in this home, she, she and I would spend weekends together doing some very fun things. Like we would go to our local mug and muffin restaurant for breakfast <laughs> on Sunday morning. And, you know, those cups that are like from 1975 are still in use, you know, <laughs> right? The brown mugs, right? Um, the coffee probably as old as the mug, but <laughs> yeah. you know, that's when it's really good coffee. Um, or we would go to the beach in the middle of winter and we would just freeze our hands picking up these cold, wet and sandy rocks, yeah. um, which I still have all these rocks now. Um, and so uh, the other thing she would do, she'd be up in her room sometime for hours just writing music. Mm. listening to to songs that uh, that she was writing or that she had heard and she would play her ukulele uh for hours at a time Beautiful. and so one particular weekend i picked up zoe and and brought her back to my house and she was upstairs in her room listening to some music and she was burning her favorite jasmine incense mm -hmm. and she was applying this really cool henna tattoo on her left hand with a sun design on it and I don't know if you've ever smelled henna ink, but it is the most acrid smell. It's like yeah. the it's like orange juice and gasoline mixed together. <laughs> That's what it smells like, right? Um, Lovely. So while she was letting the ink dry, I asked her if she wanted to call some friends, and she's like, "Nah, I really don't have any, Dad." Mm. I'm like, "Well, why don't we make some kale chips instead while the ink is drying?" And she's like, "All right, that's I'm down for that." Okay. So we're cleaning up and, and she says, I'm tired, dad. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to go to bed now. Mm -hmm. And I, like usual, I'm like, Oh, I love you pumpkins. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I love you too, dad. And I go back to my computer to do some work. And, and, uh, I head upstairs a little while later to say good night. And I open Zoe's door, bedroom door. And I can hear Jonathan Frusciante's guitar on the stereo playing and very softly. And, there's a string of Christmas lights that is lit around the perimeter of her room, um, but she's not in her bed. Mm. And out of the corner of my eye, I can see that she's standing in her closet and Zoe's a jokester. And so I know she's going to scare me here. Mm -hmm. So I'm calling her bluff. I'm like, Zoe, what are you doing? Mm. And she didn't answer me. Mm. And she wasn't standing in her closet. Mm -hmm. And I called 911. I don't think I've ever driven that fast from my house to anywhere in my town that I did that night. And when I walked into the ER, I expected to hear her coughing. I expected to hear her crying. Mm. All I heard was call time, 11.25 PM. Fuck. Five days later, 900 people came to Zoe's wake. 900 people, right? And her friend Kelly came up to me and she was just sobbing. She couldn't say a word. All I could do was put my arm around her and say, it's going to be okay, sweetie. Mm -hmm. You know, Zoe would want you to remember all of those good times that you had together, right? Mm -hmm. And another friend of Zoe's came up and she said, I'm so sorry, Mr. Hodgson. 
Zoe was so nice to me and she was always smiling. Mm. I don't get it. I don't get it either, kid, but I know that Zoe would want you to be happy and, 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 and live. Yeah. So as more and more people were coming up to me and sharing stories of Zoe with me, telling me how much she impacted them, inspired them, and gave them hope, and to tell me that they were sorry for my loss, mm. I was sorry for their loss because I knew what we were all going to be missing. Yeah. You know, her smile, her energy her badass ukulele skills. Mm -hmm. But really it was Zoe's philosophy of life to just be. Mm -hmm. I miss that the most. Wow. Well, months went by and I wasn't doing well. I, I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I could, yeah, I didn't exercise. <laughs> I just wasn't myself. And, and it took a long time for it to sink in that Zoe would really be so pissed off with me if she knew that I was wasting all of those good memories from her life mm. by not living mine. Wow. And months went by. I, I started to make peace with, with what went on. Mm -hmm. I started to forgive myself. I started to forgive Zoe. Mm. And then I started to feel some gratitude for what is in my life. And, mm -hmm. and I started to see Zoe all around me. Mm. You no, know, it was maybe a girl that had the same color hair that she had, mm -hmm. badass Chuck T's. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was a song that came on the radio. Maybe it was even some ukulele music that I would hear. Maybe it was even a Nirvana patch on somebody's jacket that I would <laughs> catch. Yeah. And I would simply say, hi, Zoe. Oh, wow. Now, in Greek, the name Zoe means life. Mm. and the greatest lesson that she ever taught me was that life is going to knock us down, mm -hmm. but we have to do everything in our power to get up and keep going. Amen. Thank you for sharing all of that. You're welcome, brother. I mean it. And thank you for sharing it with everybody who's listening because mm -hmm. you're not alone. Mm -hmm. And that story is not the only one. And right. I imagine because I've done it, how many people listening have had that, you know, I, I said in my own talk, it's not the day you lose everything. Mm. That's not the worst day. It's, it's mm. the next morning. Right. When you wake up and for a fraction of a second, you've forgotten. Mm -hmm. And then that reality comes and just jumps up and down on your chest yeah. with a jackhammer. Mm -hmm. And so many people have described that moment too, as uh, they just don't want to breathe. Mm -hmm. And they don't even know how to take that first breath as in literally, I don't know what to fucking do right now. I, I can't even take a breath. Right. What's, what's your recommendation? You know, I'm sorry to say this, but you're an expert mm -hmm. by like by street cred and by trial by fire. You're an expert. Uh, how do we, how do you, what do you recommend to people who say, I don't even know what to do. I can't even manage to breathe right now. What's, what's step one to serve like step one, step one. Yeah. Step one to surviving the unsurvivable. Well, the interesting piece about that is that by default, we go into survival mode mm. and we have to, mm -hmm. if we don't, then, uh, then we're just never dealing. We're on day one all of the time. Mm. 
and it's like a groundhog day thing. So that, that moment, like you said, that first moment when you wake up and you're feeling like, Oh, there's, there's no way for a split second. Maybe this wasn't true. Maybe it didn't happen. Um, maybe it was a dream. Maybe it was a dream. Yeah. And so we have to decide to survive. And one of the, the most interesting things was that I, very shortly after Zoe died, I did, I did get a lot of letters and notes from her friends and I talked with a lot of them and they all had very similar stories of Zoe being the first person to come up to them while they were in the hospital unit. Mm. And, and she would be the first person to introduce herself. Mm. And it's as if she became a mentor, a Sherpa, a guide for them mm. uh, while they were going through this process of just experiencing going from complete freedom Mm-hmm. And their life status quo yeah. to this new normal, which mm. they don't want to be in. Very much similarly, like, do we wake up that morning right. and, and everything's changed? Very much so for these kids going into hospital unit. It's a jolt yeah. from their life status quo to this new, this new normal. But Zoe would go up to them and say, hey, look, it's fine. It's just, isn't that bad in here? Mm. I know you're scared. I know it probably sucks. But look, we actually have a lot of fun. And when the, when the counselors aren't looking, man, we can draw dicks on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so right? are you saying that's step one? <laughs> that's step one. Draw a dick on the wall, right? I mean, so oh, it, wonder I got uh, that high school so easily. Yeah. But, but you know what it would do? It would just like you just laughed right there, Traver. They would yeah. just be even so... It, it was enough to let um, these kids know that it was going to be okay, that they can survive this if they right. choose to do that. Because it is a choice. So and and so one is making that choice. Making that choice. Decide to survive. Okay. And that's, I think, the very first important step. Because, look, we can stay in survival mode, and it's necessary, but we can't, we can't stay there. Right. Um, you can, if you choose to do that, right. It goes back to being a choice, but what happens then is, is you miss out on, on living beyond this loss that you've experienced, whether it's the loss of a relationship, right. Whether it's a loss of a job, mm-hmm. it's a loss of yourself. Mm. It doesn't matter what it is that you've lost. It is making that decision to say, okay, look, I'm going to give myself the permission to survive this mm. and do what I need to do to get through it. But that's not where I'm stopping. That's not the end game here. Mm -hmm. So even though people still have a whole pathway of pain to work through, Mm -hmm. you're saying at the beginning, they've got to make the decision that they will get to that end, no matter how long that end it takes to get there. Yeah, and there's no timeline for it either. I mean, a lot of people, I don't know if, if, uh, and I'm sure people can relate to this as well, is that, you know, whenever you're going through something difficult, somebody might say to you, Man, it's been a month. Aren't you over that yet? Yeah. And, and you're like, what the fuck? How is that possible? Right, that, you know, right, right. You're not walking into my shoes. <clears throat> um, how how that, that may even be something that's possible. But I, I also get it because I feel as though when others are trying to help somebody else through pain, right. they are trying, they're feeling that same pain themselves. So they want to try to eliminate it from their life. Yeah. as much as possible by saying to them, Hey, look, can't you just be over that? Because I want to be over it. Right, 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 right. So if step one is the choice, yes, I think that has to be made. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's step two? Well, step two is, is really exploring 
what it is that that makes you a badass mm. in your life, right? What what are those things that that you that light you up that mm-hmm. used to light you up when you were when life was good? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it was something you, that you did when you were a kid. Maybe it was something that that you were doing presently. Um, maybe it's something that uh, that you haven't yet discovered. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was uh, one of Zoe's friends about a year or so after she died. One of her friends, Cammy, um, I got a call one night. It was one of those late night calls that you don't want to get. Yeah, you know, and you just know it's not good. But her her mother was on the other line and said, "Hey, you know, Cammy isn't doing well." Her father and I think we we think we've done everything we can for him. We're pretty much resolved to ourselves that she's going to take her life in the next couple of nights. Oh, wow. Just wanted to let you know. Wow. I was so pissed when I heard that. I'm like, you're first of all, she's not done yet. Right. So and 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 as long as somebody's still breathing, you're going to fight for them, especially if it's your kid. Mm-hmm. Look, I get it. She was exhausted. She was exhausted. Mm-hmm. They th- they've done everything that they possibly could. And she was really reaching out to see if there's anything that maybe I could offer to, to help her. So I said, look, please put Cammie on the phone. And, mm-hmm. and so Cammie gets on the phone. I'm like, kid, what's going on, right? You know, mm-hmm. come on, you got to stick around. She's like, I just don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on here. So, uh, and so I think when it came down to it, it was that Cammie didn't have a purpose. Mm-hmm. So when we exploring our badass selves, what is it that gives us purpose, mm. meaning? Mm-hmm. And one of my mentors is uh, a former uh, Green Beret. His name is Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann. He would remind us what's important here is that humans are the most meaning-seeking, social, and emotional creatures on the planet. Mm-hmm. And so if we know why and if we have purpose, mm-hmm. We that fuels us to go forward. Mm. You know, Zoe's best friend Jerry, uh, excellent guitarist. The kid's been playing since he was four years old. Uh, when Zoe died, he stood in my kitchen. He's like, "Mike, Zoe's gone now. I I really don't know what I'm gonna do." Mm-hmm. And so I said, "Look, Jerry, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna get up in the morning. <laughs> you're gonna put your feet on the floor. You're gonna get dressed. You're gonna have breakfast. Yeah. Right? You're gonna go to school. Come home. Have dinner and practice your guitar like you have." for four hours. Yeah. Right. Since you were four years old, do that. And then go to sleep and the next day do the same thing. Just keep, you got to get yourself in a routine, mm. you know? And if you, if you can, that, that creates a healthy distraction, I would say, yeah. you know, for, for you. So it, it also lets you uh, open up to what it is that you uh, are a badass at. Yeah. So. In between that point, Eric, of making the choice to survive mm-hmm. and the pursuit of badassery, yeah. where do you see just grief in that process or in the middle of that process? Where's the allowance for and permission to kind of fall apart? Where do you see that playing a role in people? Uh, that's a really good question, Trevor, because I mean, I think when you do have to give yourself permission to, uh, to grieve, you know, you have to give yourself permission to survive it first of all, but you have to give yourself permission to grieve. And, and very much with Zoe, I had to make peace with what I couldn't change. Right. You know, and the grief process is it's, it's, it's individual. It's like, think of it like a fingerprint. Okay. It's, it's fingerprints are very similar, but each one is unique. And so our experience through loss and grief is going to be unique, but there will be similarities. Yeah, I hope we just stop for a second and let maybe say that again, 
just so people who heard it and it blew by them, they hear it one more time because it is so important for people to get that your grief isn't anybody else's grief. Would you mind just saying that one more time for people? Absolutely. I mean, I got to go back and tell you to do jazzercise again, but that's fine. <laughs> um, no, but a grief is as unique as a fingerprint. Uh, look, there's going to be similarities that, that we all have in the process of loss. Mm. It's why people write songs. It's why people write books. It's why people connect on these de- on their stories because there are similarities, but each one is definitely unique. You're going to have something in your story of grief that uh, somebody else um, has experienced, uh, but just in a different way. Yeah. So that's why you're not alone. Right. Other people have gone through this process and you don't have to walk this path alone. Mm. Right. And, and I think so it's very important that in, in helping other people who are grieving or going through loss. Yeah. Um, it is to walk with them and hold space for them. And as I like mm. to tell Zoe's friends, look, I can't walk this path with you. Yeah. But I, uh, sorry, I can't walk the path for you. Yeah. yeah. But I will walk this path with you. Mm. And and here's what's going to happen along the way. You're going to fall down again. I don't know the way it's going to look, but you will fall down again. Mm-hmm. All I can tell you is that you're going to have to get up mm. and keep moving forward. And and when that next tumble falls, it's not going to be as bad, you know. And and over a, over the over a course of time, like you said, you know, between survival and that badassery, the grief looks like a very rough path at the beginning. It may not even be clear enough for you to find that path. Yeah. However, if you focus on knowing that there is better, that there are better days ahead, that you will get back to you on the other side of this process, the path starts to show itself to you. Yeah. You just have to keep going. Those edges that were really sharp at the beginning that cut and hurts, they soften over time. Mm. And so, like I said, if you tumble and you stumble, all right, all right, well, I got to get, all right, I'm just going to get back up. It's, it's, it, yeah. it is doing that routine. It is keeping yourself moving. Yeah. I, I tell people oftentimes you're going to get knocked down. Mm-hmm. It's going to come out of nowhere. You're going to yeah. think everything's great. And you're going to, I remember like walking out of Trader Joe's, leaving a full cart full of food and just running into my truck and crying. Mm but that didn't turn into two weeks right? like it had at the beginning or three weeks that it had as it had in the beginning. It became much, the recovery becomes faster with people who were, when we're going from survival and moving in the direction of, of thriving. um, I want to talk about permission. Yeah. What permission do people need to give themselves and even for, I know a lot of people who are going to be listening to this aren't going through the trauma themselves, but they have loved ones who are going through. What permission do those people need to give uh, the sufferers as well? Mm, that's a really, really strong question to ask, Traver. Thank you. Um, and, and it's important because I think a lot of people don't give themselves permission to feel. They feel that they have to be strong for everybody around them, their family, their friends, um, maybe they're coworkers. Mm-hmm. And I think when, when I was going through this, this process with Zoe, um, 
I, there, there were moments where I, I'd wake up in the morning and my routine would be that I would cry for three hours straight, mm. right? Three hours straight. It couldn't stop. And it, and it would just escalate to the point where I'm sobbing, you know, mm. bubbles coming out of your nose type of thing, that type yeah, of yeah, crying. In there, yeah. Yeah, right. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, it cleans out the sinuses. It's yeah. just, you're not feeling as though you're feeling any better <laughs> necessarily. Yeah. Um, but I also knew that, uh, you know, this was also escalating over a period of time where um, I would be crying for so long that it was just like, what is going on here? You know, right. and and so um, a friend came up to me one day and, and I had uh, or sorry, came over to my house and I had just really finished a session of mm -hmm. crying. Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember how long it was. And, and he just said to me, he's like, look, I know that this is difficult for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that when you're trying to find those moments when it doesn't feel so heavy in your life, mm -hmm. that you give yourself permission to cry for a period of time mm -hmm. and then say, after that, I'm not going to cry. I'm going to go somewhere else and do right. something different. Right. And, and if that means that you give yourself, I want eight hours every day of cry time. Right. And that's what you're going to do for the eight hours regardless. Mm. So I, I thought about that and, and what it did was it kind of brought it into consciousness for me Yeah. versus it being just a reaction to my thoughts. Right. And so the next day I said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to cry for eight hours. I had the, I had in my planner cry, yeah. you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. 5 PM <laughs> for lunch, you know, whatever. You definitely is. worked in it. Breaks, right? <laughs> 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 you know, but <laughs> In, 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 all, in all seriousness, I woke up and I started to cry, but Traver, in like 10 minutes later, I stopped. Oh, wow. And the reason that is that I'm like, I thought about it, why I was crying in the first place. Yeah, yeah. I'm sad. Of course I'm sad. I miss my daughter. I wish she of was course. here. I wish all those things. Right. But I think in giving yourself permission to, uh, to grieve, yeah. And no matter what level of grief that is, maybe you go through a period of anger. Mm -hmm. you, you give yourself permission to be angry about it, you know, mm -hmm. and I think there's definitely healthy ways to, 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 to deal with all of these emotions. But, um, but if you give yourself that permission to grieve mm -hmm. and, and feel what you're feeling, it's okay to feel okay. And it's okay to not feel okay. Mm -hmm. And I think by giving yourself that permission, you find a way to actually, uh, process what you need to process at that time and, and move on and not, not move away from it, but just move on to the, you know, to the next part of your grief process, whatever that may be. So permission to be okay and permission to not be okay. Right. I think that's, that's beautifully stated. Do you have a thought on the five stages of grief? Um, you know, it, it's interesting because I think that all of us, if we, look, if we go through a divorce, yeah, I went through a divorce in 2005. It was harder, honestly, to go through that divorce than it was to lose Zoe, if I can be wow. completely transparent. And I didn't have any coping skills back then. So, um, but, so you know, you have the anger, you have the sadness, right. you have the, the uh, feelings of, of the desperation, all of these emotions that you're all these stages that you're having to go through yeah and everybody is unique with how long they go through each of those stages and yeah. and and mm -hmm. also the intensity for which you stay in that stage mm -hmm. and I, I think that speaks back to the survival piece right you can mm -hmm. stay in that mode if you want to mm -hmm. or you can choose 
to find out what it is that's making you angry, what's making you sad, and 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 that's not necessarily talk about it, but but find a creative outlet for that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you got to go outside and take a bat to a, a tree for about an. All right, sorry for yeah. anybody out there who lo- likes trees. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> great. I'm you gonna know, get emails yeah, from environmentalists. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take a, you know, take a metal bar and hit the side of a building. I don't know, whatever it is, not somebody's yeah. property though, right? Yeah, I'm just just something that is that will help you express that yeah. emotion in a healthy way. Yeah. And, and you may have to do that 20 days in a row. You may have to do it for an hour and that's it. You may have to do it for a year. It doesn't right. matter. There's no timeline. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. We have one of my mentors, uh, Robert Masters, talks about the concept of a conscious rant mm. where you go sit in your car and preferably drive it so it's not somewhere in public and set a, set a timer for two minutes and mm. literally scream every obscenity you can think just you just sc- rage scream for two straight minutes and i've done it and what always ends up happening is i end up crying and then at the two minute mark i'm so damn exhausted yeah from all that yelling and screaming and so hoarse that i'm like okay i think i think i'm gonna be okay now i think i think i'm doing better and then get back into my day i think i'm gonna do that the next time i'm in the bathroom in a public <laughs> Two minutes. It's like the airport. Yeah, it's like the airport bathroom. <laughs> airport. Yeah. It's it's so it's so interesting because I and I love that because it is it's this release and I think a lot of us we hold it in. Yeah. And so and with that permission gives you the capacity to let it out. Yeah. And express yourself no matter what, which that then segues into the badassery. Yeah. Right. How do you express yourself? Zoe's friend jerry expresses himself by slashing the guitar for two hours four hours at a time right and the stuff he learns you know some people do it through artistic means some people do it through verbal mean right Right. um singing i don't it's just there's there are to come out there's always yeah and there's always options for that yeah let's shift again to back to thriving yeah Uh, you and i have mentors that keep hammering this idea of yes and Mm. Can you tell us a bit about how people thrive and still allow themselves to feel some of this pain or still allow themselves to feel this sadness or even keep space in their lives of, of missing someone? You know, I have people that say like, well, if I thrive, then that means I need to let go of the idea of that person in my life. Or if it's, um, you know, a spouse or a, a loved one in the in a romantic sense, how can I move on and fall in love again? How can you talk to us a bit about uh, a yes and with thriving? Yes, I can. And <laughs> I want to do so. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that there is a very important aspect of getting back to you mm-hmm. that's important when you're living beyond a loss. Mm-hmm. And when you find yourself in those places where you're questioning whether you should do something like go on that trip or, or see that person mm-hmm. uh, as a potential love interest or move away from the place where you lived, where that person was living with you. I mean, a lot of options there that can come up, a lot of decisions come up and, and it's very easy to make fear-based decisions in that case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, when you are faced with a decision like that, it is, it is giving yourself that, that uh, permission to, to 
to feel as though you're not you're you're you, to feel as though you're not letting the other person that you lost down. Yeah. Can you speak on that? Did Did you ever feel yeah. that with Zoe? Oh boy, I always. It took me. I mean, I I just sold my house in in Massachusetts um, yeah. back in December. And about a year ago, the thought of that made me sick to my stomach. Like, there's how can I possibly change anything in Zoe's room right now? Oh, wow. No, even the rocks that 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 she put in a particular mm -hmm. place. How could I even think about that? Um, and I had to realize that when it came time to actually pack up Zoe's bedroom, mm. and and was that I wasn't getting rid of Zoe. Mm -hmm. Those memories were always going to be there. Mm. And we're always going to have those memories with us, good, bad, or otherwise, right? We're going to have those memories. And look, there's some times when people are going through a breakup and the breakup was bad because the person that they were with was not a good person to them. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's a time when, when those memories will uh, get resolved and you won't, that won't be at the forefront. And so you might be actually more willing to be with somebody else who's treating you very well. Right. Um, and being the person that you need in your life. But mm -hmm. when it comes to losing a loved one and, and carrying on or going into a new relationship, um, it's so important that you uh, find that space of acceptance within yourself that it's okay mm. to, to move forward. And, and it was funny, I was packing up Zoe's bedroom and as if she was standing in the room, she's like, dad, it's about damn time, dude, mm. like this this poster's got to go, man. Like Zoe was always changing her room around and all that stuff. So for five years, it stayed the same way. Right. And, and, and so it, it didn't feel so much as I was getting rid of Zoe. It felt like I was um, taking Zoe with me. Oh, beautiful. So it was really, it was really nice. Appreciate you sharing that story. I think that's yeah. just that story specifically is going to open up a lot of doors for people who have been stuck. Yeah. Um, Christina Rasmussen calls it the waiting room. Yes. That people get stuck in with trauma. And I imagine that um, leaving that waiting room, unfortunately, for people feels like they're leaving the people who, right. who left behind. Right. They're, one of my favorite questions that we ask guests on this, on this podcast, because my listeners are the elite in just about every area from looks to business to uh, intellect, uh, how, if someone listening could specifically help you, because you've just dumped a world of knowledge on us. What could someone do for you? What do you need? How can we do you, what can, what can my listeners do specifically for you? And this isn't about, I'm going to get to working with you in a minute, but just mm. for you and your movement and your mission and yeah. working with people. I think that some of the best things that people can do for me in this case is to continue to fight for your better days. Mm. Don't give up. Don't stop. Yes, you're going to look, life still happens, even though you're going through something that's the most difficult thing probably somebody could ever go through in life, yeah. losing a loved one. Right. Life doesn't stop. But if you continue the fight and then it, somebody shares that story like, hey, you know, I, I, things were going along. I was really struggling here, but then I lost four tires on my, or I, I have four flat tires on my car. That yeah. might bring somebody to their knees if they're already struggling. Right. But if they said, you know, I actually looked at it in a different perspective. I thought about this in a different way and thought, you know what? I wanted to get new tires anyway, yeah. you know? And so I got bigger tires, better. It, all, mm -hmm. So finding the positive in the struggle mm -hmm. uh, that you're in, um, 
can actually shift your your focus as as one of our other mentors would say kimberly mm -hmm. uh while would say hey we got to flip our focus here mm -hmm. what's what's what really matters right now mm -hmm. you know in this case yeah i mean i'm already struggling with something i got four flat tires wait actually i can now get the new tires that i wanted and the truck's mm -hmm. going to look badass you know or mm -hmm. whatever it is mm -hmm. um and so i think it is a matter of um uh, you know, if people, what they can do for me, hey, look, they share your stories of, of what you've been struggling with and something that's changed positively, that positive disruptor that came in mm -hmm. and just shifted everything that you were thinking about originally. Beautiful. It's, it's such a selfless answer. So I'm going to ask it slightly differently in a more selfish answer or a okay. more selfish question. Where does your message need to be heard? In other words, who who do you need to be getting in front of that's desperate and you're not getting in front of or that hasn't asked you to come speak yet or share your story yet is there a demographic is there a group is there a company is there an organization who do you need to be getting in front of because this message uh it saves lives mm. period fucking period it saves yeah. lives and not only does it save lives it resurrects lives that have been um crushed so who do you want to be talking to ideally oh, i appreciate Throw it out there <laughs> So I, I think that, um, you know, I, to say that I'm going to talk to everybody, is just not appropriate. Of course, mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's not possible and that's not important. What, what's important is more about, um, you know, groups of people that are struggling with loss of some sort. Okay. Maybe, maybe it is a, a support group. Um, okay. maybe it is a, um, a, a community group of, of leaders, uh, you know, it could be, a company that's that's having heavy losses with people leaving the company. Yeah, um, it could be uh, uh, it could be another community of of people that are dealing with uh, struggle and and uh, obstacles and okay. um, things like that. So beautiful. Uh, so those of you listening, if you have connections to get this man in front of people, find him and email him and and let's get him hooked up. That's thank that's you. What I want to offer here, Eric. Your story is extraordinary. Thank you. What you're doing with it is beyond extraordinary. Uh, please allow me just to acknowledge that, that I can't imagine the pain. And yet what you've done with it is, is beyond magical and beyond selfless and beyond the wildest form of service. So on behalf of myself and, and everybody who's listening and everybody who's affected by everybody who's listening and everybody who has heard your story. Thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. Yeah. Thank you. How can people get more of you in what capacity you have a book? Yes. Uh, I put a link to it. So it's a Sherpa named Zoe. Yes. You have a Ted talk. Yes. What's it titled? Uh, the Ted talk is what my daughter's death taught me about life. Beautiful. You guys yes. watch that talk, share that talk. And okay. if people who are struggling and hear this and go, I need this man's help, mm. how do they find you and how can they work with you? I appreciate that. So I, I, do, uh, I do a lot of coaching one-on-one uh, -on -one, um, and I do, uh, I do live events as well. Mm. Uh, but if people would like to get a hold of me, I do have a website. It's uh, erichodgden.com. Can you spell that for us for people sure. listening? It's E-R-I-C-H-O-D-G-D. Uh, o n.com beautiful 
And uh, I have some... Uh, what about pre- social media? What's the best way to find you on social media? So social media, I'm on Facebook. It's just uh, Eric Hodgden. Uh, and uh, on uh, Instagram, it's Eric B. Hodgden. Gotcha. Anything exciting coming up for you that you want to share with this audience? Um, yeah, I'm actually working on a project with uh, a, a National Guard unit. Oh, amazing. Uh, about uh, talking to them about how they can build resilience within mm. their unit uh, to prevent potential suicides, to, to help new cadets who are coming in and recruits coming in so that they stay engaged in the program mm-hmm. and not feel as though they don't have the resilience to go through uh, um, you know, and service of other uh, of our country so um that's coming up and um yeah it's it's probably my pretty much my fame, main main uh, sorry my main focus right now awesome amazing 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 again uh, thank- that actually sure. is coming up i'd love to share with you it's uh in uh, tampa um i'm going to be uh, uh conducting a uh or working with uh scott mann at the storytelling experience that he's putting on here in a couple of weeks okay um, it's really important. I think story is really how we connect uh, mm-hmm. deeply with others. And so the more that we can learn how to tell our story in the service of others, the more that it helps not only them, but mm-hmm. it, uh, us as well. So definitely. How can people find out more information about that? Um, it's rooftopleadership.com forward slash experience. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yes. Thank you again. I mean it from the, so from the bottom of my heart and from everybody listening and, and just for who you are as a man and who you are as a person. Thank you. Thank you so much for letting me share uh, a story with your audience as well. Mm. I really appreciate Always. For those of you who are interested again in working with me, you can get me at www.manuncivilized.com or find me on Instagram at Traver Bohm, T-R-A-V-E-R-B-O-E-H-M. Please go to iTunes and find this podcast, the Uncivilized Podcast. Give us a rating. Uh, I like five. I think that works really well. You can leave a really amazing comment about how brilliant this was and and share it. Please help me share this. We've got interesting people telling fascinating stories and um, this is a love. And um, I look forward to doing this again and again and again. Eric, thank you so much. Everybody who joined us, thank you so much and look forward to, um, to next week. Cheers, guys. Have a great rest of your night. Thank you.